The Light FM presents Community Spotlight, a program designed to focus on what's important to you in your community. Now here's Braxton with today's Community Spotlight. Good morning. Hope you're well. Thanks for being here. My name is Braxton Critcher, and you can find the podcasted version to this interview online at thelightfm.org or we'll text it to you. Just text us, the word spotlight, at 800 293 1069 and we'll send you a link you can listen to it anytime anywhere and well today it's a little different if you listen to this program before i normally interview somebody that's making a difference in your community but uh, this time it's not me doing the interview it's the executive director of the light fm jim kirkland he was able to sit down with alex azar who you probably know is one of the most well-known people in the country right now he is the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, and um, we're in for a treat. Believe me, you're going to want to stay tuned for the next 10 minutes as Jim and Alex discuss the next steps for our country with the coronavirus pandemic. They talk about plans for religious establishments, churches getting back together safely, and they also discuss how God has helped Alex and our president make these difficult decisions over the past three months and how he continues to, as Alex says, place a hand on his shoulder as they uh, carefully decide what's next for our country. So here's Executive Director of the Light FM, Jim Kirkland, along with the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, on this week's Community Spotlight. So I understand that this is your first visit to North Carolina uh, in quite some time since uh, becoming uh, the secretary, and actually, it's my uh, it's my first visit anywhere since we've had the uh, since we've had the social lockdown, other than travel with the president or vice president. So uh, I'm just delighted to be here in in North Carolina. Well, a double honor for us, <laughs> and we appreciate your time. To start off, we have an opportunity, I would say, and that is an opportunity to talk about something that hasn't been discussed a whole lot, and that is the health benefits of the nation reopening. Absolutely. What are some of those? Well, you know, thanks to the historic response that President Trump has led, we have the tools to get back to work and back to school. And we we often talk about this as if it's the economy versus health, health versus the economy. I think of it as health versus health because there are very real consequences to staying, to being, uh, being at home with uh, stay-at-home orders or shelter-in-place orders, um, and not being at work, for instance. And so you see, with the economy in a downturn, economic dislocation leads to higher rates of suicide. That's proven. Uh, we're seeing already radically lower rates of cancer screenings. And as a result, we're going to see more cancer cases that have been undiagnosed and untreated. We're seeing radically lower levels of vaccinations, particularly pediatric vaccinations, so our kids aren't getting protected there. Radically lower levels of cardiac procedures. And so people are actually going without needed medical care very necessary medical care, and there will be health consequences and are health consequences from that. And that has to be balanced against the health benefits of disease spread prevention. Hmm. Bringing it to home, when you discuss with your family how to move forward and what to do as the nation opens up, Mm -hmm. what do you tell them? 
Well, we get a little variable within our family. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think my wife tends to be a bit more uh, cautious uh, mm -hmm. than the rest of us. My daughter is, uh, is stuck at home. She's a sophomore in college, and so she's been at home taking classes. And my son has, is in high school, and he's been taking classes from home. Uh, and so they're, I think uh, they're, they're very eager to get back out and get back to the, to the rhythm of life. Um, what we say is we have the tools to get back out working and going to school. We can distance appropriately. We can take appropriate personal hygiene precautions. Mm -hmm. um, there are ways that we can get back to living our lives um, that, uh, that are fulfilling and frankly normal again. Uh, we have the tools to do this. We now have surveillance systems. So here's, here's the game plan. It's a six-part game plan. So we have surveillance systems. It, so we have a really robust system of looking for influenza-like illness, basically the signs and symptoms of COVID-19 or a flu. We see that. You make sure every, of the, every one of those cases is identified, and they're also tested using our now superb testing system for COVID-19. And if they're positive, you surge in, you isolate them, you search their, for their contacts, test them, isolate, et cetera. We've, you also then add to that this testing system. So not only do you test everybody who might be symptomatic, but you also test asymptomatic people. And you do that in certain communities, particularly vulnerable communities like senior living centers, prisons, any kind of meatpacking facility, any type of congregate setting, maybe our schools, where you can identify within asymptomatic people um, individuals that might be infected. And if you find those, then you surge in. So early warning systems, you surge in, you test everybody, you isolate, you contact trace, et cetera. You make sure your healthcare system is resilient and has capacity and adequate personal protective equipment and supplies. The president has redesigned our supply system to make sure we have adequate 90-day supply of the equipment that we need. Then you have therapeutics. So we've already got one approved therapeutic and we're gonna keep driving under Operation Warp Speed, this historic Apollo project-like uh, effort to bring more therapeutics to the American people. And then six, vaccines. Uh, we want to deliver 300 million doses of vaccine by the beginning of next year, again, through that Operation Warp Speed project. Had a historic development just this morning where we contracted with AstraZeneca for 300 million doses of vaccine uh, by, by the beginning of next year. Well, the topic of opening churches up for worship is one that we hear quite a bit about. And there's been strong opinions on that. As the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, what would you want pastors and church leaders to hear about the department's guidance on that issue? Well, I'd want pastors and church leaders to hear that they should be treated the same as other organizations, regardless of religion. Um, we have taken a very firm stance. You know, President Trump is the uh, most vigorous advocate of religious freedom and free exercise of religion that you could imagine. Um, and we have taken steps to ensure equal treatment of those of us who are people of faith and in communities of faith. And so churches shouldn't be treated any differently than any other place where people get together. Um, neither better nor worse. Um, and so uh, we're actually working on guidance that will help in a church, in church uh, and religious settings, but that should be consistent with what one would say for any comparable setting. There has been uh, no shortage of ministry opportunities through this season. And the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has sent chaplains 
to pray with patients who have COVID-19. You've had a front row seat to see the impact that faith in action might have. Share with us what you've seen from your vantage point. Well, um, my, I, I went through uh, some tragedy myself just in a uh, little over a month ago. Um, uh, my father passed away. Um, he did not pass away from COVID-19, um, but just complications for many, many serious health conditions. Um, but I got to experience firsthand what it is like for a relative to have to die alone and for the family to not be able to grieve through our normal communal grieving processes, which are actually, um, they may be bound in tradition, but I find that tradition often reflects a wisdom and the com communal nature of, of our grieving processes is when you don't get to, exp to do that, you see how much you miss that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, it pains me a great deal to think of seniors who are in skilled nursing facilities or in hospitals, unable to be visited by their, by their ministers, unable to be visited by family members. So we leverage technology. Um, in fact, tomorrow I'm gonna be in Florida and I'll be visiting with um, uh, seniors virtually as I'm outside the window um, and able to greet, to greet the healthcare workers and others that are working with them through um, technology but not being able to be with them. And so I think we need to try to assist as much as possible that um, for those who are the most vulnerable, of course. And for others, we need to just start taking reasonable precautions. Um, there's no reason that ministers can't be robed in appropriate personal protective equipment and, uh, and visit their congregants. Um, if, we can, if, if we can take care of Ebola patients in appropriate personal protective equipment, um, we can take care of individuals who are suffering from COVID or at risk of COVID. Share with us, you, you've given some insight in terms of how your faith has, uh, has shaped how you have addressed some of these matters. How has your faith as a follower of Jesus Christ prepared you for the responsibilities that you must meet every day as the department secretary? Um, so I am, uh, I'm an Orthodox Christian, Eastern Orthodox mm -hmm. Christian, um, and I am, uh, I hope, quite devout only God knows. Um, and uh, I, I, feel God, I, I, actually, I feel God's hand on my shoulder, um, guiding me, helping me, um, steadying me. Um, but most importantly, what I feel are the prayers of others. Um, it, I cannot tell you, and the president and vice president talk about this. I'm, I'm just a cabinet member, but I, 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 uh, people pray for you. Um, churches in my faith community and other churches pray for you. And I see on Twitter when uh, certain faith groups or prayer circles will identify you as someone that on this day, let's all pray for Alex Azar. Uh, for those who do that, I just want you to know it heartens us. It gives us strength. Uh, it, it has an impact on us and it enables us to carry on because it is tough. It is hard what we do. It's hard what we lead. We are human beings just like anybody else. Uh, and uh, I do believe in the power of prayer and I believe in the power of communities praying. Well, your time is very precious. We're very appreciative of your time. And as we depart, know that we will be praying for you. I appreciate And that. for our leadership in this season. God bless you. Thank you very Thank much. You, Thank you, Secretary. We hope you enjoyed today's Community Spotlight covering issues that matter to you in your community. 
If you have a suggestion for a future program, just call 800-330-9648. That's 800-330-9648. Be sure to join us next week for another Community Spotlight with Braxton on The Light FM.